0: Oh, (laughs) Yoda, I am not, hmm? Classic TV and film podcast this is. Strong is the force with this one. I'm Ed Gross, and you're listening to CloserWeekly.com's Classic TV and Film Podcast, where we celebrate the golden age of television and movies, then and now. You want classic TV? We've got classic TV. With a look back at the iconic television sitcom, Leave it to Beaver. Seen through the eyes of the himself, Jerry Mathers. Leave it to Beaver originally aired from 1957 to 63 for a season on CBS and the rest of it's run on ABC. So popular was the show in reruns that in 1983 it was the subject of a reunion movie, Still the Beaver, which brought back most of the original cast but saw many of them in the role of the parents this time out. Well, the audience loved it, so much, in fact, that the reunion resulted in a spin-off series, the new Leave it to Beaver, which ran from 1984 to 89. But there's a lot more to Jerry Mathers than Leave it to Beaver, as we discovered in this conversation. Still, there's no question of how closely he holds his memories of those days to his heart. Oh, and this is one of those instances where the interview was conducted prior to the launch of the podcast, so apologies for sound issues here or there. Gary, how are you? Couldn't be better. Well, good. That's always nice to hear. Thank you for taking the time today. I do appreciate it.
1: You know, not, so. not a problem at all. Thank you for doing the interview.
0: Sure. So that, that raises a question for me right away. Does it amaze you? I guess that's an old question already.
1: That here we are, twenty eighteen, and you know, you know, not really because it just never quit. You know, had <laughs> it had it been something that kind of laid down and then jumped back up. But it's always been, you know, just very popular. I've always done a lot of interviews. You know, I get a lot of people that to see me on the street and um, still recognize me. So, um, you know, and it's always for Leave It to Beaver, even though I've done a lot of other things. Oh, yeah. But uh, it's it's something that's you know, it's a pleasure as an actor to have something that's so well recognized and so well received, and especially for all these years. You, you know, I look
0: back at it and I have my thoughts. I think of Leave it to Beaver. Certain things come to mind. What do you think of? What comes to your mind when you hear the the phrase Leave it to Beaver?
1: Well, I just think of all the nice people I met and not even from the people like the cast was absolutely great. But, you know, we had a, a crew of almost 100 people. So, you know, there were cameramen, lighting guys, prop guys, and we just had a really good time. They They were very selective because, of course, we were kids and they had to kind of watch it. But they were very selective in their crew. So they uh, only hired pretty much family people that had kids so that they would know kind of how to deal with them. And it was just a a real family atmosphere. Joe Conley and Bob Mosier were the writers, and between them they had 18 kids. So they were used to dealing with kids. Um, Mr. Conley had like, I think nine and Mr. Mosier had uh, (laughs) a nine too, they had huge families and all the writers, you know, were family people. And it was just a really nice place to work.
0: As, as a kid, you know, I look like even when my own kids were growing up, I have three boys, they're all in their 20, late twenties now. Uh, I go back to watch videos of them as kids sometimes. And I don't remember like the events I have my memories made from the videotapes from when they were younger. For you, do you have super clear memories of those days, like those early days, because you were so young when it started, or do you have to kind of like look at episodes and have your memories stirred?
1: Well, I, I definitely couldn't tell you the lines out of the episode. <laughs> no, I, if I watch. That. <laughs> if I watch a few minutes of it, I can tell you what episode it is, because there are clues, but I mean, you know, if you just show me like a generic dinner scene where we're just sitting around the dinner table, I couldn't tell you what episode it was, but there are 234 episodes, so... Um, you know, each one is is distinct and has um, different people in it. You know, different uh, actors that aren't part of the ensemble cast. And as soon as I see one of them um, that may have only been in one or two shows, that that narrows it down. But you know, it was just a really good time for me, and uh, you know, it, it wasn't anything that was stressful, and it was just fun.
0: You know, we live in we live in such I hate to say it, but cynical times now. Uh, in a lot of ways. You know, how, I, that that's the other thing that amazes me about the show is how it's managed to still have a voice amongst the sort of chaos that we have in society, if that makes
1: well, sense. Well, I think it's because all the episodes are from real life. If you watch sitcoms today, a lot of them are what I call joke shows where people have set up, set up, joke, um, and a lot of them really don't have a lot of substance because, you know, even though it was made in 57, you know, we we're coming out of the the World War and then the Korean War – so it you know, and it was uh it was fairly tough times for a lot of people. It wasn't the depression by any means, but uh, you know, those were times when uh if you had a job you were very lucky and people, you know, were um were happy to be in the United States and uh it was just a, a really good time to be growing up for me. Um and I'm I'm very happy that I did leave it to Beaver. I got a really good education. I had a private tutor, which is, you know, the education of the kings and queens of Europe, because Tony was the principal. He also had, so I was I had, and my dad would ended up as a superintendent of LA City Schools, but at the time he was a, a, a vice principal and principal, but he could pick out of the entire LA Unified School District, which is huge. They have what they call studio teachers, and it pays a lot more because they're also welfare workers. He could pick some great teachers for me, and Tony too, so we had really good teachers. Um, so everything was, you know, just a plus, plus, win-win.
0: What about being in the spotlight and the media attention and all that stuff for a kid? Now, obviously, you had done movies, you had done appeared on other TV shows, but this was consistent. This was in front of that camera all the time, and people were talking about Leave it to Beaver and all, and you were coming to people's living rooms every week. What kind of impact did that sort of have on a kid, basically,
1: that you were? It really, nothing. Really? Um, and I say that only only because it wasn't, did you, when you went to school, did you, were you a big uh, athlete or anything? I mean, <laughs> no. it wasn't anything, well, it wasn't anything different for me. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've been an actor since I was two years old. So, you know, I worked with Hitchcock. I did two yeah. movies with Bob Hope. I worked um, as much before Leave it to Beaver as I did, you know, during the time of Leave it to Beaver. So um, people don't pay a lot of attention to kids. People, some people would recognize me on the street, but... You know, not that many. And, uh, you know, it was just a really good life. I had a great education. Um, I got to go to some fabulous things. You know, I went like to the Smithsonian and we'd have a, a private tour or, or, you know, any place we went, we were, you know, singled out pretty much and, and got, and got just, you know, great treatment. So it was really a, a fantastic life for a kid. And it was something that, uh, you know, I didn't know there was another way of life when, when I got, out of Leave it to Beaver and went to a regular high school, you know, it was very, very different. And it was something I liked doing. I got to play sports, which I didn't do in Leave it to Beaver. Yeah. Um, but uh, it was, you know, it was a really fun time. And basically, I had probably a 100 or a 100, and maybe 15, you know, adults who are in a lot of ways like parents. And I was with them for eight hours a day. And it was very important to um. Keep not only myself, but Tony and all the kids happy. Because you can't make a kid work. If for some reason a child doesn't want to work and they say, "I don't like this. I'm not doing it anymore," and adult actor you say, "Fine. We'll sue you. We'll take everything you got." Yeah. That doesn't scare it at all. So I mean, we did all sorts of interesting things. They put up a basketball court and I play basketball with the you know the sound man, that makeup man, and the wardrobe man on one team, and the the grips and the lighting people and. Tony would have one team and I had another. And a lot of times between takes or at lunch, we play basketball or, you know, we built a lot of things. And, it, you know, they they build a We build a boat that was about probably 12 or 15 inches long. It cost an amazing amount of money <laughs> it to the to the wood shop. And, you know, these guys would take it. And these guys, I don't know how much they're making an hour because they're supposed to be building sets. And instead, they're sanding our boat or doing things like that. <laughs> it was just a little boat that we took out to the the, the lake and, and sailed. I mean, it wasn't a, not even, it was probably, you know, a foot long, maybe. So we just had all sorts of fun like that. And, and as I say, and they were very, very happy to do that because they wanted us to be happy so that, you know, we wanted to go there every day, and we really did.
0: It's so funny because you hear so many different stories of different shows. Like I interviewed Barry Williams last week regarding the Brady Bunch. And, uh-huh. and they, they came out of that pretty, except for Marie McCormick had a few issues, but also ultimately they came out of that experience pretty good. A lot of shows, even back then, kids didn't come out of that so well. It's amazing. You came out as adjusted as you did.
1: Uh, I, I, my dad was a perfect person. As I say, he retired as a superintendent of this LA city schools. <laughs> but at the time I was doing leave it to beaver he was a vice principal and then a principal. So he was dealing with kids all the time. So he really knew what I should be doing, what I shouldn't you know, where I needed to be school-wise, What, you know, um, because I had a private tutor. So from basically first to uh, eighth grade, um, until I went to high school, I did not ever go to school. Once in a while, another child would come in if they were on that particular show. But most of the time, I had a private tutor. So I was, you know, basically by about the fourth grade, I was doing sixth and seventh grade work because... I could just do it because the teacher would sit there and if I didn't understand it, she was right there and said, this is how you do it. And I understood it and then we'd move on.
0: So, so like you were saying,
1: and it, and it was a good, it, yeah, it was a good education. I mean, I, I, I'm a graduate of Berkeley. Wow.
0: So, and going to regular school, like you said, wasn't that big a transition for you then?
1: No, I went to, um, you know, a school and, uh, actually I started school about, I think it was three or Maybe even six weeks early because I wanted to play football, and they had a frosh team, and the frosh, the JV, and the varsity all practiced together for like summer. And so just before school started, I think it was four to maybe six weeks. I can't even remember now. But the football team went out and started practicing. So I went out, I made the team, mm-hmm. and so when I started school, the friend, the people that were my friends in this school were all the football players. And you know, once you made the team, you were part of them. So nobody gave me any trouble because I'd have some nice. you know, senior was a football player. So he's on our side. You better leave him alone. <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> Boy, you I did luck gang. out. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> what did you say? What is that last thing?
1: I I said I had a gang. You know, what can oh, yeah. I tell you?
0: Nobody's going to mess with you. You know, You what know, that question no. I asked you before about the, the spotlight and stuff, was it weird, though, seeing your face on merchandise?
1: <laughs> was that odd? No, it was always it was always nice because you yeah. know they always gave you something, and a lot of times they, and you know, a lot of times whatever it was, they gave you their entire product line. So I just I just didn't get what I got. You know, like Schwinn bicycles, we used Schwinn bicycles, and they sent one home for myself and my sister and my brother. Um, now I got one of the, I don't know what, how you what the difference is, but it wasn't one of the. Tony got a racing bike with the, you know, the handlebars that twist under. I had a regular bike. But, you know, it was just great things like that. And we'd go places and people would, you know, say, Oh, here's a bike. Oh, you know, oh, that's nice. You know, can I just ride it here? No, take it home. Oh, I can do that. Thank you. <laughs> that's
0: pretty good. You know, you and Tony Dow, you also had a real nice on screen uh, rapport with each other, nice chemistry. I, I assume that was, you guys were brotherly off screen as well?
1: Oh, I don't know about brotherly. We were right. very, very good friends. It was funny because he is the youngest he has an older brother, but I was the oldest in my family oh. so I had a sister and three brothers so I mean I was I was the Wally in my family and he was the beaver right <laughs>
0: that's funny but you guys did you, did you guys connect with each other in the sense
1: of we, having you rapport? know we, we were very we were very friendly. they because he was in high school and I was in um, elementary school, we had different teachers. So it wasn't, you know, we'd go back and after school if, you know, we had a couple minutes, we'd throw baseballs back and forth. Um, but, uh, so we weren't, you know, like together 24 hours a day. But yeah, we were, we've always been good friends. And, uh, you know, more of the people that came in like Richard Rickover, Richard Carroll was his real name and, and Larry, uh, uh, and Stephen Talbot and, uh, some of the people that were my friends on the show. You know, I would see them maybe every other week or so. So they became more, they were my age, and they became more my friends. Right.
0: Fair enough. I also read earlier that by the time the show finished, you were ready for it to finish? Like you wanted to go to school and get off the show? Is that true? Or uh, I,
1: did, I didn't really want to get off the show, but I, uh, it was fortuitous because I could then go to high school. Okay. And what I wanted to do was play sports. And that, uh, that was one. Tony had been a, a star athlete. He was a gymnast. In fact, that's one of the reasons they picked him. But he had never really gotten to do his gymnastics. In fact, he would probably, had he not done Leave it to Beaver, he probably would have been uh, an Olympian um, because that's what he was training for. Mm
0: -hmm. And that's
1: what they wanted. I mean, when the interview went out, it said highly athletic. So, um, you know, it was something, and and it was great working with him. It was kind of, in a way, he didn't put me in my place. But, I mean, Tony could take three steps or four steps, jump up in the air do a front flip and land on his feet wow and i said to myself i can't do that and i didn't realize that a lot of kids most everybody else can't do that yeah because he was the only person that i was really around but you know he was just a tremendous athlete and being a gymnast i mean there he could do things that you know you just can't you you watch it and you go oh okay no i'm not going to try that Yeah. right
0: (laughs) yeah fair enough you know with your parent, your parents on the show I mean was that a nice Barbara.
1: huh I said Barbara Williams and Hugh Beaumont
0: yes I'm sorry I should have said their names that's right it's not I like I don't know, know the show <laughs> sorry
1: yeah.
0: uh, uh, did you have a nice connection with them yeah
1: Hugh was interesting because in reality he was a Methodist minister yeah and he had and before leave it to Beaver he, he was at a honestly a very very poor congregation and it was down in the worst part of LA and it specialized in alcoholics Um he was on oh, basically wow. skid row now he wasn't he wasn't a part of that mm-hmm. but he went down there as his mission to try to save those people so when he started doing Leave it to Beaver although um, he um, you know was very happy to be an actor he kind of missed that but he could put a lot more money into his uh, his work down there and you know because these people, where he was, they couldn't even afford a church. So, And he had a family, a growing family. So that's one of the reasons he became an actor. And when he first started, he was, I don't know if you've ever seen him, but he was Michael Shane, which was a, um, what they call, it was the, the brief little shows they used to show before when, you, when people didn't have television and went to the movie theaters. They'd have these shorts that they showed. Yeah. Well, Michael Shane was the kind of guy, he was a detective, and every time he needed information, he'd take you by the, the lapels and pound you up against the wall. So he was just really tough, like a Mickey Spillane type of um, private eye. So when he hit Leave it to Beaver, and could kind of be, in a lot of ways, like a minister, and you know, and take the boys into the room and give us those little talks, yeah. I think he was much happier. And he could also devote, because it was you know a full-time job, um, more time to his ministry and um, because as I say, these people couldn't afford a minister. He was down in Skid Row, you know, looked basically preaching to the drunks and trying to save them. Wow,
0: but a lot of interesting people here
1: <laughs> on this show.
0: Yeah. seriously. Yeah. You know, so w- after this ends and you go in your own separate way and you live your life and all, how weird was it, if if at all? Although you seem to handle things very well, uh, who was it to come back? I mean, for still the Beaver and then the new Leave It to Beaver.
1: Well, that was, you know, it was very easy because I knew everybody, you know, I, these are people that I grew up with, um, you know, and it was people that I all liked. There wasn't anybody that we all said, oh, we don't want that person back. I mean, everybody was people that, you know, we'd see each other every once in a while, but it wasn't like a day to day thing. Um, and Barbara Billingsley was wonderful. Sadly, Hugh Beaumont had passed before we were able to start the show. But, you know, Ken Osmond and, and Tony Dow were my very, very good friends my whole life. Now, after we finished the show, I didn't get to see him very much. I mean, we would do, like, appearances and go to, you know, openings and things like that. But they were always friends of mine. So it's it's nice to have friends from your childhood and then be able to work with them again as adults. And probably the funniest one is, though, Ken Osmond, because, you know, people say, how could you stand to be around him? Well, he's so different than uh, than Eddie Haskell, it's right. absolutely you know, it's hard to believe. He's a, a highly decorated shot in the line of duty LA police officer who volunteered to go down to Skid Row, which is like, you know, the the most dangerous work. That's why he got shot um, just because he wanted to help his community. So, you know, and we had a, it was really like pulling teeth to get him to come out of there to, to, to do the show. But he said, you know, this is something that I would like to do because I think it'll help a lot of people um, see that there's better ways than living in Skid Row. Absolutely. You know, it's just
0: it's just amazing to me. And what, what really amazed me back then when they brought the show back, you know, in that form, was that it connected with people again. You would think that so many years later, a different different world we were living in from from when the show originally aired, that it wouldn't make that connection and run for as long as it did. And yet it did. And that was shocking to me back then, I remember. I think the thing is, is
1: both times um, we were, the whole cast and, and the writers, of course, we had said that we wanted to do it the exact same way, which meant all the episodes are from real life. So everything on Leave it to Beaver are things that really did happen to kids. Now, they may pump them up a lot so that they can make a you know a half-hour show out of them. But if you watch a lot of the sitcoms, they're joke shows where people go in and say, set up, set up, joke, and then they write something else so that they can fit in another kind of joke about something else you watch Leave it to Beaver, there really aren't – now, there are laughs, but they really aren't jokes. They're just – you kind of sit there and say, oh, that's amusing, you know, whatever. But I think that was the difference. It was a different type of comedy. It wasn't, uh, you know, a situation comedy where the comedy comes out of the situations happening to the characters.
0: Well, I read an interview with Tony Dow where he said that sometimes a script would be too funny and they'd they'd knock it down to be a chuckle rather than a laugh.
1: Right, because they didn't, they didn't want people to miss other parts of it just because, and they wanted to, you know, there aren't really those big laughs in real life, so they, they wanted it to seem more like life, and, you know, if there was something that was funny, it was humorous, but it wasn't just like, you know, fall on the floor and start laughing.
0: Yeah, you know, I know this is the biggest cliche in the world, but, you know, why did it work?
1: What do you think it was about Leave it to Beaver that worked? The way I, think, I think. I think. Well, I think the main thing is it's from real life, so it wasn't people writing jokes that they think are going to be funny mm. and setting things up to to make that joke. beef to Beaver, there are very, very few real jokes in it. But you do get some chuckles out of it and laughs. Yeah. And um, but it's situation. It's called situation comedy, and that's what you're watching. Is the Beaver does something usually, it's <laughs> something wrong. If he does something wrong, there are consequences. He finds out about the consequences. You know, you have Larry Mandela, which is kind of like, in some ways, the little devil standing next to you going, oh, Beeb, you won't get caught. Yeah, you right. go ahead and do it. Well, you do it, Larry. No, no, you do it, Beeb. You won't get caught. Yeah. You know, and so it's it's something that uh, people can really look at, and it's definitely stood the test of time. The same things are happening to kids today. that happened in the 1950s to the beaver, um, because it's from real life, but you know, it's just not people telling jokes about uh, whatever and hoping they'll get a laugh.
0: Yeah. Uh, my wife would disagree. She says I'm still telling jokes, hoping to get a laugh. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> you know, Got one for me, there you go. <laughs> See, it works. It works. I can tell her. Uh, yeah, it's very funny because sometimes when she gets in a foul mood or something, I'll look at her and go, all right, you don't have to holler at me. And then she'll stop what she's doing. Look at me. And go, OK, Beeve. Anyway, that's <laughs> it. That that's is, it. You know, how about your life and the way it's changed? I mean, with the whole diabetes thing and working, it seems tirelessly uh, for for that. I mean, t- talk a little about that if you don't well, mind.
1: Well, it was just a great platform to be able to do that. I was very, very lucky because I had a very, very good friend. She's um, a doctor, and um I had started to live what I called the good life. I After we finished the new Leave it to Beaver in the 80s, I bought a couple of companies, one of which was a catering company. And I had a kitchen and I had two chefs and a a crew of about 14 people. And I was doing studio catering. So, I mean, um, we would go out and feed, you know, who knows where, 200 people. Um, So we were going to the producers and, you know, I'd sit down with them and they'd say, okay, unlike a regular caterer who might just do a party, this movie will be running for, you know, 12 weeks and we'll need you for 10 of those um, because we're going to be on location. And so I'd say, okay, well, I have, you know, like I think I had 60-some different meals. And so they would, we know, we'd bring some of our best ones, but we I'd sit down and eat with them and they'd say, well, what's this? Okay, could I have this, that, and the other thing? And it was just really easy to put on weight. And I looked around me and a lot of people were, you know, heavy or, um and even heavier than I was. So I thought, this is the good life. You know, this is why i worked all my life. I've got business, you know, I've got uh, quite a bit of money, so and I'm making more all the time. And I didn't realize what I was doing to my body, and I had a good friend that's a doctor, and she said to me, um, and she wasn't really my physician, but she's a good friend of the family, Um and she said, why don't you come in for Christmas? I'm going to give you a free physical. And I went in, and she said, basically you probably have two to three years to live if you don't lose that oh weight, because you've got raging, raging diabetes, and I said, "What do you mean? I don't feel anything." She says, "You're not going to." But pretty soon, your legs are going to start turning black. We're going to cut off your toes, and gave me the whole the whole roundabout way of telling me I was in big trouble. And I said, "Well, what can I do?" She said, "Well, I don't know, but the one thing you should do is immediately try to lose weight." And so I lost the weight. I went down to you know within. Five, 10 pounds of my ideal weight within about six months. So I was, you know, running and doing all sorts of exercises and really cut down on my consumption of food because, you know, I had uh, kids at the time and then, you know, that's what you told me, how don't you want to see your kids grow up yeah. and, and have you see your grandkids? And that was just a real, a real wake up call for me because I looked around and there were a lot of people that were probably heavier than me, but a lot of people that were the same weight as me. And so I just said, oh, this is not what I want. I don't want to be, you know, six feet underground and have people say, yeah, well, he had a good life. And then he ate he ate himself to death.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. So what's it been like going out there and speaking to people? And you're doing fundraisers. You're doing all sorts of things, right?
1: Yeah. Well, most a lot, most of them have something to do with, with diabetes, diabetes education. Yeah. You know, keep clinics, keep clinics open so that they can, uh, you know, especially... Because in the poorer communities, um, a lot of people, you know, they eat foods that, uh, you know, they think are good for them, or maybe they're whatever. But you know, you look around and they're way overweight. And I can I can walk into a room and tell you, probably with a eighty to eighty-five uh, percent hit, you know, hit value, which people will, if they don't start losing weight, have diabetes or are not already pre-diabetic.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I believe that, you know, so what's, the, what's next for you, Jerry? I mean, now that you're doing this, you know, you're doing this, but what, what else is going on with you in terms of, are you, are you still working? Are you pursuing acting roles? What are you
1: doing? Well, I, 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 you know, I don't pursue them because to be honest with you, when I was, people would go in and they, I'd get calls to go on interviews and I'd go on the interview and basically they would say, Hey, we just, you know, we don't know if we're going to write a part for you, but we didn't have one, but we've been fans all year <laughs> <laughs> Great. We just wanted to meet you but um to be really honest with you i've yeah. been working as an actor since i was 2 years old right. and so i don't really have to work anymore <laughs> that's <laughs> I good mean, it's just not a, it, it's not like i can't put food on the table i do a lot of speaking on diabetes because it's something i enjoy i know if that doctor hadn't been so close to me and you know told me because people were saying oh you're overweight and i said yeah everybody's overweight Um, told me what kind of trouble I was in. So I do a lot of public speaking, and I kind of use Leave it to Beaver as the worm on the hook. I go in and I talk about the show and the characters and sign autographs, but I always slip in a little bit about diabetes, and I look down at the audience, and I would say probably 30 to maybe 40 percent of them are overweight. If they're not already diabetic, they're pre-diabetic. And you know, I tried to get the message out because I was lucky. I had a friend that's a doctor. Right. If she hadn't told me that I had diabetes, there really were no symptoms. It's not like you know, I had a pain someplace. Uh, I knew I was overweight, but you know, I was leading the good life.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, speaking of that good life, when you look back at it,
1: what are your thoughts?
0: If you know, in general, I know that's a big overview question, but
1: how do you how do you
0: view your life?
1: Oh, I'm very very happy with my life. I. I've got wonderful kids. I've got grandkids now. Um, I have a beautiful wife. and She's very, very happy. She was in the industry, too. Um, she was behind the camera. So um, she understands, you know, what I have to do and uh, what I don't have to do. And she has a lot of friends that are mutual friends and a lot of people that she's introduced me to. So, you know, my life is very, very good. I live in the suburbs. You know, I have a very, very nice house and, uh, you know, and, and I'm not retired because I go out all the time and speak I do usually you know one to two sometimes three speaking engagements I mean it's fun for me and my wife we get to travel we get in an airplane we go to colleges and all sorts of places all over the country and I tell people and you know I say if you're more than 20 pounds overweight you better go and get checked for diabetes I say it's kind of like fishing though because I tell them stories about leave it to beaver and you know, I've worked, I did two movies with Bob Hope before Leave it to Beaver. I've worked with Alfred Hitchcock. Right. Uh, I was in uh, Shirley MacLaine, his first movie. And, uh, you know, I've worked with a lot of actors besides the ones on Leave it to Beaver. And it's just fun. And people, um, you know, are, uh, I think, really happy to meet me and just say hello and get an autograph. And, you know, they just light up and they, would you sign an autograph? I say, yes. And, oh, you really will. It's like, yeah, that, you know, it's the easiest thing in the world. I ask them their name. You know, I put, and I put You know, your friend, Jerry Mathers Beaver, the same autograph I've signed since 1957. And they go away happy. And I'm happy just so I can make people that happy just by saying hello. Jerry Mathers,
0: still the beaver to us and millions of others. We hope you enjoyed this interview and that you'll subscribe to the podcast. And if you wanted to throw in a five-star review, you'd have our pleasure. I'm Ed Gross. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.